Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to Soma's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. Soma, what's up? Is anybody excited to be in church today? Yeah. Hey, do me a favor. Why don't you look to one of your neighbors and just tell them it is so good to see you in church. Just go ahead and just tell them that. And why don't you look over and tell your second choice now that they know who they are. Um, why, don't you, why don't you tell them you need some church today? Like, like, like you need church today. Come on, how many of you love your pastors? Um, yeah. Um, I'm so thankful for you, Pastor Michael and Brooke and uh, the whole team here. Uh, what God's doing here is not normal. I do want to just welcome anybody that may be here for the very first time, uh, like I am. Uh, and so we're here at the same time, and I just want you to know, if you, especially if you're here for the first time, that you're in an amazing church and you're in a, a church that honors Jesus, that puts Jesus at the very center, and that it's a very safe place. And I thank you when I was praying this morning for you guys. Uh, what I felt like God told me is to make sure to tell them uh, that I thank them for their yes, uh, for your yes to stepping out in faith, uh, to start a brand new life-giving church. And uh, it takes so much courage to do what you've done. And I just want you to know that on the other side of your yes has been life changed, that the other side of your yes has been people that have experienced freedom like never before, or people that have experienced purpose like they never had before. Marriages are different because of your yes. And I believe that like your best days as a church are not behind you, they are ahead of you. And so if their yes has impacted your life in any way, shape, or form, can you clap your hands and show some honor? Come on to your pastors. Come on, you can do better than that. Tell them that you love them. Well, welcome uh, to church and greetings from Cincinnati, Ohio. Right now, our church is happening right now. But because of my family, I'm allowed to be here today. So I want to introduce you to my family, the people that allowed me to be here today. We actually have a picture. We'll throw that up on the screen. That is my life. I mean, just people I love with all my heart. Now, the other adult in the picture is actually my wife, and her name is Heather. And uh, Heather and I have been married 18 years, and I call her my crown um, because in Proverbs it says that a, a worthy wife is like a crown for her husband. And let me just tell you, my girl is worthy. And so um, she's my crown. And um, we have two little boys, as you can tell from that picture. Just call them two little consequences of pure passion. And um, <laughs> our oldest is Jordan. He's 11. He's in fifth grade. And then we have... Uh, Caleb, who is eight, and he's in second grade, and I love them with all my heart. Well, let's jump into God's Word today. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Genesis chapter 37. We are in this series called Good News, and today uh, I want to look at a story from the very first book of the Bible, uh, Genesis, featuring a guy by the name of Joseph. I love Joseph. I love his story that you can find from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50. I encourage you maybe this week to even spend some time reading through this story. Our church earlier this year actually did a nine-week series looking at the life of Joseph. And so today, I want to read from Genesis chapter 37, 
um, starting in verse 12. And the Bible says this, soon after this. So let me pause right off the bat and make sure that we understand what they mean with that pronoun this. Because the context of what we're about to read is that Joseph was born and he instantly became his dad's favorite. He is one of 12 brothers and he became his dad's favorite. And his dad made it very obvious because he gave him a very special coat. It's called the coat of many colors. Uh, if, if you're familiar with Broadway, it is the Technicolor dream coat. And so he gave them this coat, but also God gave him some dreams that he was going to use him in an area of leadership. But he did not use discretion very well, and he told his brothers this version of the dream. Hey, guys, you're going to bow down to me. And that didn't go very well with his brothers. And so the Bible actually says because of the favoritism and because of his dreams and his pride and his arrogance that they actually hated their brother Joseph. And that's where we pick it up in verse 12 where it says, Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. And when they had been gone for some time, Jacob, who is his dad, Jacob, his dad, said to Joseph, Hey, your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready, and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. And go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. So go tell me how the brothers are doing. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the, valley of, in the valley of Hebron. And then let's skip to verse 18 where it says, When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to, uh-oh, kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, one of these wells, one of these holes, and we can... Tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what happens of his dreams. But when Reuben, and Reuben was actually the very firstborn son. And so Reuben, when he heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him. He said, that's awful. We can't be brothers like that. We can't be brothers that kill another brother. Like, let's not, why should we shed any bread, any blood Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. That's way better. Then he'll die without our laying hand on him. It's like, like a kid playing hide and go seek. Like, la, 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 just can't see. Then he'll die without us laying a hand on him. So Reuben, however, Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived... His brother ripped off that beautiful technicolor robe that he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. Another translation, actually the ESV, the very last, the very last verse in, in verse 24 in the ESV says this. Listen to this detail. And they took him and they threw him into a pit. And the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. 
today some if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, because I think that they're going to ask to see them when you get to heaven. Like, hey, did you take notes in church? Um, so if you're taking notes, I want to talk about this subject today over the next few minutes. There's good news in that pit. That I know it's a pit, but there's some good news in that pit. Let's pray and let's invite God to speak to us today. God, we are so grateful to be here today. We are thankful for the air that is in our lungs. Thank you for the gift of today. This is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and we're going to be glad in it. And God, I thank you for gathering every person here. I believe with all my heart that nobody is here by accident. And so God, today you need to know our heart. And our heart is that we do not want to play church today. We don't want to go through religious motions. We don't want to put on a church mask and act like everything is okay. No, we have gathered today to hear from you, to hear straight from heaven. And so, God, right now, we open up our entire life to you, everything. There's nothing that's off limits. And we give you permission to speak into any single area of our life. And, God, I just ask that you would open up eyes to see you today. I ask that you would open up ears to hear you today. And God, my bold prayer is that every single one of us, when we leave this place, that we're different than how we walked in. And God, that's not going to be because we hear from a man, but it's because we hear directly from you. So God, would you speak to us today? We are on the edge of our seat in anticipation of what you're going to speak to us today. So God, we thank you for today, and we thank you most of all for Jesus. And it's through him that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Now, how many of you, just by show of hands have ever been in a pit. Now, wait, wait, wait. Before you answer that, I want to make sure that we're on the same page of what a pit actually is. Because the truth is, I'm not talking about a like a actual in a literal pit. A pit is just simply this. A pit is when you find yourself in a very difficult in a very challenging situation. It's when it feels like something happens in your life and it feels like you're stuck and there's no way out. So with us being on the same page, how many of you by show of hands have ever found yourself in a pit at any point of your life? That's good. Me too. In fact, we all have. I mean, to like that is just a part of life. This side of heaven, you and I are always going to experience pits. It's what we call life. In fact, Jesus even says in John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world, you will have trouble. Now, doesn't that make you feel just so warm and fuzzy today at church? Aren't you glad you came to church to be encouraged by God's word today? That, hey, guess what? In this world, a promise. Not you might, but you will have some trouble. But we got to lean into this truth today, church, because I, I, am, I am so passionate as a pastor that we're not communicating this message that like, hey, follow Jesus and your life is going to be perfect. Like you, somehow you're in protected bubble wrap and so nothing will ever bad happen to you. Like, please don't believe into the lie that if you just follow Jesus, life is just going to be all sunshine and rainbows because it's just not true. That is bad theology. It's just not true because Jesus says in this world, guess what? You're going to have some trouble. There's going to be some pits that you're going to have to experience in life. 
But the good news is, is that he doesn't end it there, right? He says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. More on that later. But the truth is, you may find yourself at church today. And right now, it's not that you have in the past experienced a pit, a challenging season. Maybe right now, you are going through something hard. Maybe for some of you, if there was true serum underneath your seat that you had to take, and then you and I had to have a one-on-one conversation, and said, some of you would honestly confess, like, right now, I am going through the hardest thing that I have ever experienced in my life. The most challenging season that I've ever experienced is right now, and it feels like you're in a pit that you cannot get yourself out of. Maybe you find yourself today in the pit of depression or the pit of anxiety or the pit of hopelessness, like you've lost all your hope. And the Bible even says that hope deferred, a a lack of hope makes the heart sick. And today you find yourself at church with a sick heart because you don't have any hope. Maybe for some of you, you're in the pit of heartbreak, of grief, of loss. Maybe you're in the pit of loneliness. Maybe you're in the pit of guilt and shame and regret from mistakes that you made in the past. Maybe some of you are in a financial pit right now. And maybe you're, you're up to your eyes into debt or maybe going through bankruptcy. Maybe right now you find yourself in a relational pit. Maybe your marriage is struggling or it's hanging on by a very thin shred. Maybe your relationships and your friendships are going through some drama and issues that right now it just feels so big. Maybe right now you find yourself in a pit. The truth is I've experienced a lot of pits in my life. I've experienced a phone call where my dad told me that him and my mom were going to get a divorce after 42 years of marriage, something that if you would have told me when I was 15 years old, I would have never believed you. Right there, one phone call, I found myself at the bottom of a pit. I've been across the table from a doctor where he told me and my wife that my oldest son was diagnosed in the autism spectrum. And and one conversation, I found myself in a pit. Like, what was that going to mean for our lives flooded with insecurity and fear. Like, would we be able to be the parents that our son needs? And there's been so many other times for that. Listen, my life has not been pit-free, and I believe with all my heart that yours hasn't either. And the bad news is today is that we're going to find ourselves in a pit at some point of our lives. But the good news is, is that God never will waste a pit. And in Genesis chapter 37, we, we see this guy named Joseph. And Joseph finds himself in a pit. But the question is, what can we learn from this story today? And today I've just highlighted three different things from this story that I think we can walk away with today before we go crush some brunch, okay? Three things. Number one, write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Number one, the position of the pit. The position of the pit. When we find ourselves in a pit, You and I, we have to have the courage to ask, like, what got me in this position? And if we look at this story, I think it's so easy to think, well, that's easy. Joseph got in this pit because his brothers put him in that pit. And he was just doing what his dad asked him to do. And then next thing that he knew, like, like they threw him inside of this pit. Like Joseph could have easily said, it's not my fault. It's all their 
fault. And the truth is, when we find ourselves in a pit, how many of you know it is so easy to just point the finger at everybody else and say, it's not my fault, it's their fault, play the blame game, and just always say that it's somebody else's fault whenever we're going through something hard. And in James chapter 1, verse 1, it says, it asks this question, like, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? And when I see that scripture, to me, it's easy. I'm like, I know, it's them. It's him. It is her. Like, right now, Pastor, I am sitting beside the person that is causing all that stuff in my life. It's my boss. It's my coworkers. It's the people that that right now are driving me crazy. It's my disrespectful kids. It's that person who hurt me, who was rude to me. It's people that are driving under the speed limit in the fast lane. Like it is them. What's causing the fights and the quarrels of mine? It's easy. It's them. But listen to what the Bible says next. And by the way, I hate this next part. I hate it. Confession, confession of a pastor, I don't like everything I read in the Bible. I don't know if you've experienced this. I just want to warn you. If you've never read the Bible, if you read it, there's going to be things that you will not like. There'll be some things that step on your toes. There's going to be some things that get all up in your kitchen and start messing around. There's some ways, because when I read this book, sometimes it highlights ways that I'm falling short. It highlights things that I should be doing that I'm not doing. It challenges me. It corrects me. It shows me things. It calls me out in some things. It shines a bright light into some dark areas in my soul, my mind, my heart that I honestly sometimes would rather. And so I'm just going to go ahead and tell you straight up, I don't like the next part of this verse because it says what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you. Don't they come from the evil desires at war Within you, oh, I don't like that at all. Because this verse says, like, could it be that the war around you is because of a war that's happening within you? And so when we're talking about the position of the pit, let me make this abundantly clear. The position of the pit is to stop blaming others. Look internally And ask, is there anything I've done that has got me into this position? That is the position of the pit. It's to have the courage to stop playing the blame game. Quit pointing the finger at others. To look inside, to look internally, and have the courage to ask this question. Is there anything, God, that I've done that has got me into this position. I believe every single time that we find ourselves in any kind of pit, I think it's healthy to do this. I think it's healthy to look at ourselves in the mirror, have an honest conversation and say, have I done anything big or small that has contributed to my current circumstance? And by the way, I'm not talking about letting people that made mistakes off the hook. I'm not talking about beating yourself up and having low self-esteem. I'm talking about having the courage to humbly position yourselves like David did in Psalm 139 when he prayed this, when he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Will you test me 
and know my anxious thoughts. Like point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And Soma, I came all the way from Cincinnati, Ohio to challenge you that when you get into a pit, I challenge you to pray that before you start blaming others. To say, God, before I try to blame everybody else, is there anything inside of me that offends you? Is there anything in my heart, in my mind, in my emotions, in my thoughts? And will you lead me along your path? See, I've learned you cannot correct what you are unwilling to confront. And in Genesis chapter 37, we see what happened to Joseph. Listen, here's what we got to understand. It was not all on his brothers. A lot of it was. They made choices, no doubt. But it wasn't all on his brothers. It was also on Joseph. And it wasn't just his brothers being jealous. It was also his pride. And let me show you where I get this from. In verse 18, it says, When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. My question is how? How did they recognize him in the distance? It's because of that stinking coat. They could see that bright technicolor coat, that coat of many colors coming from a mile of away. And either Joseph had literally no self-awareness or two, he knew what that coat meant. He knew that it was his way of saying, guess what, guys? I'm dad's favorite. I'm still dad's favorite. And so he's going to come. And I bet, because I was a younger brother, uh, I bet he wore it all the time. All the time. I bet he wore that coat every single wear. Everywhere that he went, no matter what outfit choice that he had, he threw that coat on no matter what. Because he wanted everybody to have this constant reminder that I am dad's little favorite. See, I bet he even wore it in the middle of the summer. I've been to Israel. It is hot in Israel. But he wore that Technicolor dream coat everywhere. Yes, Joseph's brothers hated him, which was wrong. But why did they hate him? Yes, Joseph's brothers threw him in a pit, which is wrong. But did he do anything, anything big or small, that put him in that position? See, every time that we find ourselves in a pit, it is so healthy to first look at ourselves and ask, is there anything that I've done, big or small, that got me into this position, into this pit? That is the position of the pit. Here's the second one. Number two is the perspective of the pit. The perspective of the pit. See, when we are in a pit, it is so important to have the right perspective. And every time we find ourselves there, I promise you, we will line up to one of two perspectives. We will either line up to God's perspective or we will line up to Satan's perspective. And in John 10.10, talking about Satan, it says the thief... That he comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. That is his job description. And, and by the way, his job, he does 24-7, 365. He's really good at it. You need to know that his full-time job is to steal, kill, and destroy everything good that's in your life. But it's also important that we just don't recognize that, but we recognize how he does that. And how he does that is lies and deception. That is his weapon, is lies and deception. In John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, He, talking about Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth 
because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, it is consistent with his character. Let me put it this way. If he's talking, he's lying. It's consistent with his character, for he is a liar, and he is actually the father. All lies come from him. And every single time, I'm just trying to expose what he does. Every time you're in a pit, Satan will bombard you with lies. And I guarantee you, as soon as Joseph was alone in that pit, as soon as his brothers put him down in that pit and then walked away and he was all alone, I guarantee you the lies started coming in like a flood. Like lies like this. This is all your fault. Like you're so awful. You're a terrible person. You're such a bad person. You didn't just make a mistake. You are a mistake. Like you're never going to get out of this. This is going to be the rest of your life. You're going to die in this pit. Like this is going to be forever. And listen, here's what we got to understand. Satan's, pers- like Satan's perspective of the pit is always going to be condemnation. It's always going to be guilt. It's always going to be shame. He's going to throw every bit of condemnation your way. But God's perspective of the pit is the exact opposite. It's always conviction. And what we have to understand today is that there is a big difference between those two things. There is a big difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is from the enemy. And condemnation has a way of paralyzing you and keeping you right where you are at. But conviction is from God. And conviction always leads you and propels you and motivates you to actually move forward. See, condemnation says you've made a mistake and there's no way out. But conviction says you've made a mistake And here's your way out. There is a big difference. And if you're at church today and you feel weighed down by condemnation, by guilt, by shame, please hear this loud and clear. That is not from God. It's not. That is not from God. In fact, in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, here's a really good encouraging verse. It says, so now... Now, right now, today, October 2nd, now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Listen, God did not send Jesus to condemn us. He sent Jesus to save us. And it's so important that when we are in a pit, For us to have the right perspective. For us to have God's perspective. Not to have condemnation, but to have conviction. That is the perspective of the pit. And then the last thing that I see in this story is number three. Is the purpose of the pit. The purpose of the pit. See, I'm telling you, there is a purpose in every single pit. And the purpose of every pit, by the way is the same. Let me show you. In the Old Testament story of Jonah, God tells Jonah exactly what to do and exactly where to go, but then he does the exact opposite. It is the one of the most frustrating verses verse I've ever read in the Bible. It makes me so mad when I read it. Because how many of you would love for God to tell you what to do exactly and where to go exactly? Haven't we all prayed that at times? Haven't we all been like, God, if you would just show me what to do. If you would just tell me what to say. Well, he does exactly that. And then the Bible says that stinking Jonah, he goes in the opposite direction from what God tells him to do. 
And so there's actually consequences from that. And the consequence of his choice is that if we remember from VBS, come on, Vacation Bible School, is that he was swallowed by a large fish. In other words, because of his choices, he found himself in a pit. And just go with me here. He found himself in a fish pit. I mean, that's just where he was. He was there. And from that pit, here's what he says. It's actually the defining moment in the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 2. Everything changes after this in verse 1. It says, Then Jonah, he prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. And he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. And he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead. And by the way, that's the Hebrew word sheol. Which in Hebrew, it literally means, get this, the pit. So it says that I called to you from the pit. And the Lord, you heard me. And that is the purpose of every single pit. Write down this principle that the purpose of every pit is to cry out to God. That is it. That is the purpose. If you find yourself in a pit today or any pit that you've ever been in, the purpose of that pit is to cry out to God. To get us to a place where we know that we know that we know that we cannot do it on our own. To get us to a place where we know, not that we think, not that we feel, but that we know that we are so desperate and so dependent upon God in every single area of our life. And I'm telling you, dependency on God is a really good place to be. And that's the purpose of every pit. To realize that I can't get out of this on my own. That me trying harder isn't going to cut it this time. That for me, I am so desperate and so dependent upon God. That is the purpose of every single pit. Now, Genesis chapter 37, if we look at our story, it doesn't tell us what actually happened to Joseph in the pit when he was all alone. I wish it did. I wish that there was a few verses to tell us what happened there, but I believe this is what he experienced, and here's why. Because when you read the rest of his story, which I encourage you to do, you'll see that he was a different person after that pit, like something happened inside of that pit when it doesn't tell us exactly what's happening. And he was never the same after that. One Joseph went into that pit and another Joseph came out. Like God may not have caused the pit, but I know, I know that he for sure used that pit. And so I want to encourage you that God never wastes a pit, that there is a purpose. And that purpose is to cry out to God. And to recognize that you are completely desperate and dependent upon God. Now, if you are in a pit today, I do have some good news for you. Which is ironic because this is a series called Good News. That if you're here today and you find yourself in a pit, that no matter what pit that you may be in today, God has a plan, a rescue plan to get you out, and his name is Jesus. See, this story in Genesis chapter 37 is just like everything else in the Bible. And see, the whole Bible, it points to Jesus. There is a scarlet thread that goes from Genesis to Revelation that points to Jesus and points to the good news in the gospel. One little small detail of this story that blows me away was in Genesis chapter uh, 37, verse 
verse 22, the back half of verse 22, where it says that Reuben, the older brother, he was secretly planning, don't miss this, to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. Again, Reuben was the firstborn. There were certain responsibilities that came with that. He was the oldest of the 12 brothers. And so he was the older brother. And what he had planned to do was to rescue him out of that pit so that he could get him back to the father. Well, Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says that Jesus is actually the firstborn. So both of the firstborns, both Reuben and Jesus, wants to rescue you and bring you back to the father. But the good news is, is that Jesus didn't plan on it like Reuben and then not able to pull through. Not only did he plan it, he did it. See, Jesus is the true and greater Reuben. He is the true and greater older brother. You see, Jesus, he died on a cross. He went into a grave. He went into a pit. And then he got out of that pit three days later. And here's why. He went into a pit to get us out of our pit. Now, I gave my life to Jesus. I made the decision to give him full control of my life on June 25th, 1999, on the back porch of a, of a Burton Bible building at the college that I ended up going to. It wasn't in a service. It wasn't in an environment like this. It was on a back porch. And on that day, on my knees before God, I gave him my life. Because the truth is, in that moment, even though I'd grown up in church, that's my story. I grew up in church. I looked it up. I was born on a Saturday and just diseases beware. I was probably in church by Sunday. That was the type of family that I grew up in. And we were there every time the doors were open. So I knew a lot about God, but I had no relationship with God. And, and on that day, I remember sitting there. And the best way I can describe my life is that I felt like I was in a pit. There was like this public me that everybody could see, but then there was this private me that nobody could see. And I was struggling, and I was living two separate lives. And I remember being wrapped up in sin and like pride and sexual sin. And, but the problem is I, I knew better. And I remember like talking about the perspective, man, I felt so much condemnation and guilt and shame. But my strategy for that whole time was to try harder. That if I could just try harder, if I could just have more willpower, if I could just give it another go, then I could get myself out of that pit. But the truth is, the more I tried to get myself out of that pit, the more I kept digging myself deeper and deeper into that pit. It's almost like a movie where you could see somebody in a pit, like in a muddy pit, and they try to get out. But the more they get out, the more that they keep digging themselves deeper and deeper into that pit. That was my life at that time. And I remember getting to that place of like, I cannot do this on my own. And on June 25th, 1999, I looked up out of that pit. And when I looked up, it's like I saw Jesus right there saying like, are you ready to get out? Because I can do what you never could do. And I can actually pull you up. No amount of you trying, no amount of you trying to be a better person is going to get you out of that pit. But I actually came so that I could get you out of that pit. And on that day, I experienced what David wrote about in Psalm chapter 40 verse 2. Where he says, he lifted me up out of the slimy pit. 
out of that pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on solid rock, the rock of Jesus, and he gave me a firm place to stand. And I'm telling you, my life has never been the same since that day, since June 25th, 1999. And what I came all the way from Cincinnati, Ohio, is to say you can experience the same exact thing. That today, October 2nd, 2022, can be the day where you experience that verse in Psalm chapter 40. He can lift you up out of whatever pit that you're in. And he can set your feet on solid rock. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Maybe you've never made that decision. We want to give you that opportunity right now. Maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you've never made the decision to give him your life. Maybe you've never received the free gift of grace. Listen, he provided it for you, but you still have to receive it. And maybe you're here and you've never received that. You've never, like me, looked up and grabbed the hand of Jesus and let him lift you up out of the pit. But maybe you're here and you have made that decision in the past. Maybe you did grow up in church. Maybe at one point in your life, you were close to God. At one point, you let him lift you up out of your pit. But then you ended up jumping right back into another one. And you find yourself at Soma Church today and you feel so far from God. He feels a million miles away. And today, you just need a fresh start. You need to say, I need God. You are at the position where it's like, I feel like I'm in a pit, and I know I need God. And He can lift me up. We want to give you that opportunity to do that today. We're not going to point you out or make you come forward. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. All I want to do is just lead you in a very simple but powerful prayer. A prayer that can change your life. A prayer that can change you for forever. And that prayer is just saying, I want to make the decision to follow Jesus. I want to receive the free gift of grace, whether that's for the very first time or whether it's all over again. I need to come back to God. Maybe I need to start a relationship with God or I need to restart my relationship with God. If you're here and you know that is your response today, without a shadow of a doubt, you know I need to get right with God today. I cannot let this service in. I cannot walk back to my car without knowing that I'm right with God. If you're here and that's you, I'm going to ask you to have some courage. And on the count of three, I am going to ask you with every eye closed and head bowed, I am going to ask you to put your hand up in the air and say, Pastor Brian, will you include me in that prayer? That's my decision today. I know. I know that's the decision I need to make today. God is knocking on the door of my heart and I need to let him in. So if you're here and that's you, on the count of three, put your hand up in the air. One, two, three. Yes, yes, yes. Anybody else? Yeah, 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 I got you. That's awesome. So proud of you right there. That's awesome. That's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. You put your hand down. Just pray something like this in your heart. It's not about the words. It's about that you mean it from the bottom of your heart. This is a moment for you. Just say, Jesus, I love you and I need you. Like, I need you. Like, I need the air right now that's in my lungs. I need you. And I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Will you come live inside me? And will you change me? And will you make me brand new? God, I surrender everything. I give you my life. I surrender my whole life to you. Everything. There's not one area that I don't give to you. I give you my past. 
I give you my present. I give you my future. And today, right now, right now, I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your fresh start. And today, and for the rest of my life, I choose to follow you. I give you my life. I let you take control. And God, I thank you today for Jesus. I thank you for speaking to us today. I thank you for the cross. And it's through the mighty, powerful, awesome name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen. So my church, can you, can you do me a favor? Can you clap your hands? Come on and celebrate. Come on with all those that just made that decision. Come on, that's the best decision of their life. That's awesome. So here's what I'd love to do as we end. And um, I know that for some of you, maybe right now you are What's so heavy on my heart is for some of you that you know that right now, man, I, I am in some form of pit. Maybe it may be the pit of loneliness or it may be the pit of anxiety or depression or it may be hopelessness like I was sharing. Maybe it's a relational pit. Maybe your marriage is in a pit. And I want to spend some time just praying for you. And so here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask us all to stand. Will you just stand to your feet? And uh, we're going to go back into worship, but before we do that, I I, I would love to pray for those of you that would say, you know what, Pastor Brian, like, I'm in a pit right now. I'm in a situation that's just hard. I'm in a challenging season. And um, it even even feels like there's no way out. And so um, if you're here and you have the courage right now to say that, I, I know typically a lot of times in churches we do responses with our eyes closed and nobody looking around. But I think this is a moment where the church needs to be the church. And so if you're here and you're like, yeah, I'm like I'm going through a challenging season right now. Maybe it's with my kids. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's emotionally. Maybe it's my mental health. Um, if you're here and that's you and just when I started talking about the pit, you're like, yeah, I know. I can name my pit. If you're here and that's you, just raise your hand. Just uh, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's some people here. Um, I want to pray, and why don't you keep your hand up, and you see some people that may be around you, why don't you, come on, if you feel comfortable, if, if like, you know the person, it's not creepy, uh, why don't you put their hand, like, on their shoulder, and I'm going to pray, but I want us all to pray for anybody that may have their hand up, and let's just pray that God would do an incredible work on the inside of every single one of us right now, and then we're going to worship and give God our very best, okay? So, God, I lift up every single hand that was lifted up. And God, you know every situation. God, every person that had their hand raised today, you know the situation. God, you're not surprised. There's nothing that you're unaware of. God, I believe in Jesus' name that you know the situation, that you can name the pit just like we can name the pit. And so, God, right now, we position ourselves in a way of humility and say, God, is there anything that you want to teach us right now? Is there anything that you want to speak to us? God, is there anything that that you want to humbly show us? God, like David prayed in Psalm 139, God, would you search our hearts? Would you test our thoughts? Is there anything that is inside of us that doesn't look like you? And God, would you point that out in your grace so that we could be able to do that? God, I ask right now in Jesus' name for anybody that had their hand raised. God, I ask that you would give them your perspective of that pit. God, I pray that you would bring conviction. God, I silence the lies of the enemy of condemnation, of guilt and shame and regret. And God, I just pray, God, that you would help us line up to your truth. 
in whatever that situation is. And God, I just pray that you would bring us to the purpose of that pit right now. God, that we would declare, God, boldly that we need you. God, we tell you that we need you in our lives. We tell you that we're desperate for you. God, that we're dependent upon you. God, just like we have breath in our lungs that we can't live without. God, we can't live without you. And so, God, we're desperate for you in our marriage. We're desperate for you in our relationships. We're dependent upon you in our everyday decisions and our emotions. God, in our mental health, God, we need you. So, God, I just ask right now in Jesus' name for you to be so present, for you to be present. God, I ask right now in Jesus' name that right now every single hand that was lifted, why don't you lift your hands towards heaven? Everybody, why don't you lift your hands towards heaven like you're going to receive. And so, God, I pray in Jesus' name that if any person needs wisdom, I ask God that you would give them wisdom. James 1.5 says if you need wisdom, all you got to do is ask. So right now we're asking. God, I pray that you would download into people right now that need wisdom, crystal clear clarity of what you're speaking, of decisions that they need to make. God, of even, I'm thinking even right now, God, of uh, work situations, I just pray, God, that you would bring clarity over work situations. God, I pray not just for wisdom to know what's right. I pray that you would fill Soma Church with courage to do what's right. Whatever you tell us to do, our answer is yes. And God, I pray in Jesus' name, would you bless my brothers and sisters with things like peace, but not peace they can, they can talk themselves into having. I pray that they would experience peace that can only come from you. Peace that passes their understanding. Peace that doesn't even make sense. God, I pray that you would give them courage and strength and peace. God, vision. I just ask God that you would bless them. And so God, right now, as we worship you, we may find ourselves in a pit, but God, I believe with all my heart that even in the middle of a pit, we have reason to praise. And so God, right now, we give you not our leftovers, but we give you our very best. And God, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that as we praise you, you literally shift our perspective and that we see you more clearly than ever before. In Jesus' name, we pray and everybody said, amen. Come on, let's worship with all that we got.